Kids, and welcome to the Talking Disney Podcast with your host, film critic, animation buff, lifelong Disney fan, and the nicest girl you'll ever want to meet, Rachel Wagner. Oh, we're here. This is so exciting. Uh, can you believe uh, such an intro, Stanford? What a great intro. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Y'all, we are here to do another one of our content creator rankings for the Disney canon. We finished reviewing the canon. All those episodes are uh, in the playlist. You shall check it out. Uh, and we were like, what are we going to do next? Let's talk to our friends and find out what their rankings are. And uh, so today we are here to talk with Josiah, our friend, uh, and hear his ranking. His top 20 is what we're going to focus on. Uh, so it's going to be quite fun. And uh, I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, as this <laughs> illustrious interview introduction suggested. And Stanford is here. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to record today. I'm so glad that Josiah's here. Yeah, Josiah. Thanks so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks, Rachel. Hi, everybody. This is Josiah Melky, the world's biggest Disney fan. <laughs> yes. And uh, you were on our Lilo and Stitch episode. Yes, that was a uh, countdown. Uh, of mine. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is a personal favorite. Uh, it's one that my family really enjoys. And uh, I had actually mm -hmm. requested to do this with you all the way back in March of 2020 when you guys reviewed Fun and Fancy Free. And it only took me a year and a half to wait to do that. There we go. Well, you're very patient and we appreciate no, it. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Well, here we get to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, hooray. Yeah. It's been interesting because I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. I'll try it out. We'll, we'll try it out with a few people um, because I thought, oh, it's going to get boring because obviously Stanford and my rankings never change. But uh, there always seems to be something new to talk about. So it's worked out really well. Yeah, for I at least I feel like uh, it's been a very uh, interesting series so far. Wouldn't you agree, Stanford? It's been so much fun. I just, mm -hmm. I just think it's wonderful that so many of your wonderful followers, Rachel, have watched the whole can. You know, all the Disney can. So <laughs> that makes me so happy because I think everybody should. And uh, and mm -hmm. it's just is yeah, it's been wonderful. And as you yeah. said, and so, I, so many different opinions. You know, which is really cool. Yeah. And people have come up to me and or messaged me on social media and said, I want to come. I want to talk about my ranking. And I, I think there is something that you you really want to talk about it once you've gone to the all the 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 whole experience of watching the whole Disney canon. It's something that you just want to dissect and talk about. So it's been Absolutely. an interesting experience. Um, Josiah, what do you what do you think about watching the whole canon of films? What have you learned from your experience? Well, um, the truth is, I actually was inspired by reading your blog, Rachel, uh, when you uh, when you first reviewed the canon back in 2014, when it was Snow White to Big Hero Six, and then I saw your video series in 2016-2017 when Zootopia and Moana were added. And that gave me the inspiration to do my own Disney canon review series from Snow White to Moana in 2018 when I was counting down to Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think that your top 20 is very unique, and so it'll be fun to talk about that. Uh, let's talk about your number 20. 
Okay, time for my top 20 animated Disney films of all time. All Number right. 20, Pinocchio. This was the only classic animated Disney movie that's currently survived my top 20 for all my different uh, rankings of the entire Disney canon. Um, this is the only one in the top 20 that Walt Disney himself made. When I first reviewed the canon from Snow White to Ralph Breaks the Internet, um, Lady and the Tramp and Pinocchio were both in the top 20, uh, so those were the two Walt himself animated classics in there. But with the inclusion of Frozen 2, Ryan, and Kanto over the last few years, Lady and the Tramp has dropped to 22, but Pinocchio's still there, so Pinocchio is my number 20. This was one I grew up on a lot when I was a kid. Um, I love the character of Pinocchio. He's lovable, he's cute, uh, he's just learning about the world after Geppetto, his father, makes him, and then the Blue Fairy brings him to life. He's definitely better than he was in the book, because I don't typically read the book adaptations of movies anymore, but from behind-the-scenes material, I hear in the book, Pinocchio is basically the exact opposite of the Disney character Pinocchio. Um, the animation for the time in 1940 is pretty good, uh, with the multiplane shot through the city before Pinocchio goes to school. That's a pretty awesome shot. It was the first time they really had celebrities doing voice talent in animated films with Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket. Uh, of course, you've got the great songs like Hi Little Dee and I've Got No Strains. But of course, the one that stands out is When You Wish Upon a Star, which goes on to win the Oscar and become the theme song for all things Disney. And I'm actually really excited for the live-action remake coming to Disney Plus this September. If the first look image back in March is anything to go by of Tom Hanks as Geppetto looking at puppet Pinocchio, who actually remarkably looks like Pinocchio puppet from the animated film, but in real life, like you could buy it at a Disney store or something, just from that image alone, I'd say the remake of Pinocchio is going to be one of the better live-action Disney remakes, at least on par with their live-action Disney Plus remake of Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on Pinocchio? Well, it's going to be interesting because I just, I think it's going to be quite different uh, because I just can't imagine how you have the Pleasure Island sequence and the donkey sequence in a live action. Like that would be so horrific to see live action boys get turned into donkeys. Uh, so I think it's going to be quite different, which is fine. Um, but uh but yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, it's, it's especially going to be interesting when you compare it to the Del Toro film that's also coming out It's in uh, stop motion. So that would be an interesting comparison to, to compare the three versions of Pinocchio together. Uh, but uh, uh, I have Pinocchio at 25. Okay, uh, so it's one that I, I didn't really like that much as a kid because it was so scary. But I've grown to appreciate more as an adult. Uh, but uh, what about you, Stanford? So I have uh, the animated Pinocchio at 22. So mm, we're all so kind we're of close. kind of close uh, mm -hmm. with it. And regarding the live action one, you know, I want all these live action movies just to stop. But that's, you know, yeah. that's in my own dream world. <laughs> reality. Uh, I thought that I thought that the picture looked charming. I mean, you know, I was happy that they kept. Pinocchio on model. I don't know why it made me happy, but it did. And uh, you know, with the as far as with the you know the animated one. So anyway, we'll see. But but I think Pinocchio is is a masterpiece. But I'm with you, Rachel. It was it was so scary that I it's never one that I just loved. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I respect it tremendously. Mm -hmm. 
Well, regarding and the Dante, I do love when you wish upon a star. That is one of my favorites. Oh, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Now, regarding the donkey scene, they actually don't show the boys being turned in the donkeys. We just see them, the coachman's going through them, sending them off to the salt mines and the circus and whatnot. And uh, Lambuck's transformation into donkey is actually in silhouette. They actually don't show him getting transformed into a donkey until we pass. Well, the- we see his ear. We see the ears. We see the we see well, parts yeah, of that. it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I um, think in live action, that would be horrifying. Yeah, I hear ya. And regarding yeah. the other Pinocchios coming out this year, I'm not going to see Pinocchio A True Story with Polly Shore and Tom Kenny. That one just looks stupid. And the mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro one, I don't know. I loved his work with DreamWorks on Troll Hunters and Rise of the Guardians. But if you if he takes Pinocchio a little too far, I think it's going to take away the family appeal like Tim Burton did with Dumbo. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, all right, what's your number 19? Number 19, The Little Mermaid. Mm. And it's fun because uh, actually we're recording this on Thursday, May 26, 2022, one year before the live action remake comes to theaters. And I've already got it on the calendar to take my <laughs> sister to see it opening day next year. She loves Little Mermaid. Yeah, I love Little Mermaid too. It's It's my number two. I, it's it was the movie of my childhood so it's got to be very high <laughs> we're actually finishing off the uh first half of my disney songs project tomorrow night with the animated classic every time we watch it jordan will speak along with ariel's dialogue and sing part of the world <laughs> and i don't want to bat where fine. do you have little mermaid stanford i have it at number 12 i love mm-hmm. it yeah it's so good um, and I am hopeful about the that the remake will be watchable. I mean, I'm just putting my trust in Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel Miranda is <laughs> involved, <laughs> so hopefully it'll be okay. But um, uh, all right. What's your number eighteen? Number eighteen, Mulan. Uh, Mulan herself. Um, before we had um the Frozen Girls, before we had Moana, and even before we had Elena of Avalor. Uh, Mulan was the princess who was taking her own, uh, setting out to uh, help herself, but also help her father because she didn't want him to die in battle. She had a very clever, funny, quirky sidekick with Eddie Murphy as Mushu, even if he is just a precursor to Donkey from the Shrek movies. And my favorite song from that movie is I'll Make a Man Out of You. That is basically my workout anthem if I ever decide to <laughs> exercise at like a gym or something. That yeah. head in the game from High School Musical would be my workout anthem. <laughs> it is a good bop. I, I like that one. I have Mulan and Nine, so it's one of my favorites. Uh, what about you, Stanford? I have Mulan at 15, yeah. and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really my good. My standard line. It's just, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, what what do you have at 17? Number 17, Tarzan. Uh, first off, we have to talk about the music. Phil Collins. Okay, he's no Elton John, but I think Phil Collins' work on Tarzan is... Um, between this and Brother Bear, Tarzan is easily the best of the two soundtracks he's done for Disney. Although, um, speaking from a personal point, I've only heard his Disney music. I don't think I've heard anything else he's done. Uh, but the music in Tarzan is probably the selling point of it. Um, I heard they did a stage musical for Broadway for Tarzan um, in like 2006 or something, and it didn't do so well. Uh, but Phil Collins as basically the singer-narrator guy, I don't mind so much. The songs are great. 
Although, I always get disappointed when Trash in the Camp gets the short end of the stick for song lists. That's my personal favorite, because it's such a bop. Uh, and it gives one of my favorite Disney Easter eggs when Turk is drumming on uh, Mrs. Potts and Chap from Beauty and the Beast. That's one of my favorite Easter eggs in Disney film. Also, the animation. This was the introduction of the deep canvas technology, uh, 2D characters with 3D environments, with, with Tarzan swinging and surfing through the jungle. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the only weak point for me on Tarzan is the voice cast. Um, the actors do an okay job, but they're not, like, the best. The only two standouts, really, are Rosie O'Donnell and Wayne Knight as Turpin Tantor. Uh, but that's just a minor flaw. O overall, Tarzan was a great way, I think, to end the Disney Renaissance. So, where are you guys at on Tarzan? Where do you have it? Yeah, I have it at 17. I really enjoy it. I love the animation and I love the romance between Tarzan and Jane uh, showing each other each other's worlds. And I think it's very sweet. Um, it is pretty violent for a Disney film. It's pretty bloody. And uh, so that uh, I, I might be concerned for really little kids. Uh, also, I do wish they got married at the end. I wish that they showed that. I think uh, that's a nitpick, but uh, I wish they had actually shown them getting married. Uh, but I, I, and, and I do wish that they'd had the characters singing the songs as opposed to being background songs. Uh, I think it would have actually helped with the character development, but nevertheless, I still really enjoyed it. It's been my top 20. Uh, and I, like I said, I love the animation and I love the romance, but uh, what about you, Stanford? I have it at number 20 mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, I think it's terrific. I, I think the Phil Collins music is really effective and I uh, really like all the songs. I love the animation and uh, just, I pretty much love everything about it. So mm -hmm. one thing I, I think I've seen the stage musical. Have you seen the stage musical, Rachel? Yeah. I've actually seen it a couple times. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't remember where I saw it. It wasn't on Broadway. I saw it at the Shell here in Orem, Utah. And then I saw it once at Hale Theater, uh, Original Hale. In, maybe that's, maybe that's where Valley. I saw it was at Original Hale. But anyway, I didn't think it was that great. But no. uh, uh, that's just me. I mean, I, I just find with most of these Disney musicals, the new songs that they add in are always, almost always are lame. And it's a little bit, except for with Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, because those, they actually had like extra songs yeah, from the, from the making of the, the movie. And so they just are better. Um, the new ones just always feel like, oh, this isn't as good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, I, I, it was all right. I, but not one of my favorites yeah. yeah i listened to the tarzan stage soundtrack online once years ago when i was in college i wasn't a fan all right are you a fan of rachel's reviews do you look forward to family movie night female film critics panels or the talking disney podcast if so please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron as a patron you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q and A's where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night, or even become a guest on the podcast. 
Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. You're number 16. Number 16, Treasure Planet. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a huge outer space nut. Uh, Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story is basically my animated hero, which is why I'm so pumped for the Lightyear movie coming out this summer. Miles from Tomorrowland is my favorite Disney Junior show, and I have a soft spot for Nickelodeon's Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. I remember my dad taking me to see Treasure Planet in theaters. I was just a little boy at the time. And then we checked it out, watched it on home video a few times. And then my sister got it for me on DVD for a birthday gift a few years back. And like I said before, John Musker and Ron Clements, they were really pushing to get this movie off the ground. And I feel so bad for them that it tanked so badly. Um, But the story, I mean, taking Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island and turning it into a space epic, how much more creative can you get than that? Um, it's got great voice cast. You got David Hyde Pierce as Dr. Doppler, also the voice of Slim the Walking Stick and Pixar's A Bug's Life. Emma Thompson, Captain Amelia, Martin Short Ben, uh, the late Brian Murray, John Silver, who's also got a great animated performance, combination of 2D human body and arm and face with the 3D cyborg parts. That's pretty impressive. Some complain that Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of Jim Hawkins is probably the weak link of the voice cast, but... I think he's fine. I think he does a good job. And he's going to get a second chance to try voice acting again in the Pinocchio remake with Jiminy Cricket. Um, Also, the animation is really good. Um, I think maybe it could be a little shorter. The middle part kind of drags at points when they meet Ben. I'm like, oh, sometimes it's like, okay, we met Ben, but could we maybe skip through some of this? Um, But it's minor. And while Raya just had one song for the end credits, Treasure Planet gets two songs, including one for the actual movie, I'm Still Here, which I consider underrated. It's one of my personal favorites. The reason I compare the music in Treasure Planet to the music in Raya is they're both scored by James Newton Howard, and the score he does for these Disney movies is fantastic. Even the scores he does for the weaker films he's worked on for Disney, Dinosaur and Atlantis, um, a good James Newton Howard score can help elevate a good Disney animated movie, even when it's not very good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't love this one certainly as much as you do, but I don't hate it. Um, I have it at 44 in my ranking. Where do you have it in your Stanford? So I don't, I don't hate Treasure Planet either. In fact, it's kind of a, it's kind of a guilty pleasure, but I have it at 41. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't love the world building, and I think like the story lags. I get kind of yeah when they get to the planet in particular it's like i always follow asleep. <laughs> um, yeah. but i can see why you love it and you sell it very well I so know. that's great that great um all right we got to move along so what do you have at 15 number 15 bolt uh this was the one that gave disney animation a much needed shot in the arm to get them to the revival era Um, I always like to think that this is the start of the revival, even though others will say, no, it's Princess and the Frog or Tangled that did that. But I'm a sucker for dog movies. My family owns two Boston Terriers, so, uh, both. I actually rewatched that last week for my Disney Songs project, and it had been years since I'd watched it, but I still felt the same childhood nostalgia for it that I did years ago. 
Um, John Travolta as the voice of Bolt. This was actually the first thing I'd seen him in, even though I know he's done musicals like Grease and Saturday Night Fever. Um, his performance as Bolt is fantastic. When he's talking about his owner, Patty, you really get the feeling that he does care for her and wants to make sure she's safe. And I actually don't mind Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana, as the voice of Penny. I think she's pretty good. Susie Essman from Curb Your Enthusiasm gets her first big voice acting gig as Mittens, the sarcastic alley cat. Uh, she's pretty funny. And and Rhino the Hamster, thank goodness, Disney Story artist Mark Waltz and his scratch was good enough uh, for Rhino. Uh, that they couldn't find anybody that was like him, so they were like, alright, let's give Mark the part, he's already making us laugh, let's just put him in the movie. Because, can you imagine anyone else uh, as Rhino making <laughs> and be, making it funnier than Mark? Uh, it's pretty hilarious. It's kind of like when uh, Pixar's former head of story, the late Joe Ramped, was the voice of Heimlich the Caterpillar in A Bug's Life ten years earlier. Because he did the scratch voice for Heimlich, and it was so funny, they couldn't find anybody else that made them laugh as much as Joe, so they just gave him the part. Um, also, if you check out the Bolt Blu-ray and DVD, Rhino gets his own short film called Super Rhino, and it's pretty good, too. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't mind the Toy Story comparisons to Bolt, um, because I'm a big Toy Story fan. So, where are you guys at on Bolt? I have Bolt at 37. I think it's cute. I, if you, it's one of those movies you can't really think too much about, because if you start thinking about the actual production of this TV show, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, if you just did kind of enjoy it on a surface level i think it's cute uh and uh and i yeah all those things you said i you know i agree with i think vocal performances the music are all good and it's just a like a i think of this as sort of a base hit disney film like a just a cute harmless little film uh what do you think stanford yeah i have it at 38 mm -hmm. and uh i i with josiah i think that mark Walton steals the show uh, cute, funny movie, you know, not yeah. nothing earth shattering. All right. What's your number 14? Number 14, Tangled. Taking the classic story of Rapunzel, putting it in computer animation, and making the character Rapunzel from, okay, yes, at times she's still a damsel in the stress like the fairy tale, uh, but she gets a personality upgrade. She's strong-willed. She takes her own. Um, man, that frying pan, watch out for that, boys. Uh, she's got that bad boy on hand all the time, so you don't want to be on the wrong end of that. Um, some people don't like the Alan Menken and Glenn Slayer music, but I like it. I see the light. Oh, I wish I'd seen this movie in 3D, because the lantern scene is already pretty awesome, but I'll bet it looked even more awesome in 3D. Uh, Manny mm -hmm. Moore and Zachary Levi as Rapunzel and Flynn, perfect vocal duo. Um, I feel bad that Tangled was snubbed of a Best Animated Feature Oscar nomination and only got nominated for Best Song for I See the Light. I mean, I know Toy Story 3 was going to win Best Animated Feature, How to Train Your Dragon was a perfect runner-up, but to give the third nomination to a boring French film like The Illusionist? Uh, thanks, but no thanks, guys. I'll take Tangled any day of the week. Um, my only downside with Tangled is I'm not a big fan of Mother Gothel or her son, Mother Knows Best. Although I do like the reprise because it gets more dramatic in the end. It's kind of like Porn Fortune. It's all from the Little Mermaid, honestly. It starts out slow, but then it gets really dramatic near the end. But other than that, uh, Tangled was the perfect 50th animated Disney feature, uh, for the studio back in 2010. And I also really like the Tangled TV series. It starts off a little... Oh, what's the word? Um, I don't know. The first season was pretty good, but then it got better as the show went on. 
And I've told you this personally, Rachel, from a special episode from the third season of that series from my Disney Sons project. Uh, it's actually really good. So, great 50th animated feature from Disney, and it had a good TV series that followed. Uh, even if the series is 2D animated instead of CG animated, because, uh, I don't know, maybe they wanted to harken back to the old fairy tales or something. Um, I don't know. Um, I understand Tangled is a personal favorite of yours. Uh, it's your number three, right, Rachel? It is my number three. Yeah, I, I love Tangled. I uh, I love the story. I love, actually, Mother Knows Best. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I, I really love the banter between Flynn and Rapunzel. I think that's what makes it special. Uh, aside from Aladdin, it's really the only uh, Disney movie in the canon that we get what could be referred to as a romantic comedy where we get the the banter between the two leads uh and we get to know them both really well and uh, i you know like maximus super funny uh i just i love i love tangled so yeah it's number three for me uh what about you stanford oh i love tangled i have a number 10 Mm -hmm. and uh i think that's when disney finally figured out how to use cgi in the, you know, the best manner and the it's and the, and just story. So great. I love, I love it all. Mm-hmm. Great movie. All right. What is your number 13? Number 13. Encanto, Disney's latest animated feature. But before I talk about that, Rachel, let me ask you something. How much Elena of Avalor have you watched? I watched it all. Really? I've watched the whole show, too. Um, <laughs> the reason I ask is because watching Encanto actually brings quite a bit in of a line of comparisons. You've got the uh, certain culture, the Latino culture. You've got the love of family. And you have the magic. Not to mention some of the voices were actually guest star voices on Elena's show. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Elena obviously is set in an imaginary world. Whereas Encanto is set in Peru, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I can see that there's some, you know, some similarities between the two. I I really, actually I have a whole video on my channel of why Elena Vavilar is the best Disney princess. (laughs) Yep. I I saw that when you posted it a few years back. I gotta go back and rewatch that at some point. But yeah, Encanto, um, not many animated Disney movies talk about an extended family. Usually it's like the main protagonist, Mm -hmm. And then maybe one or two family members or something. Uh, but this, with a whole extended family with Mirabelle, her sisters, her parents, and everyone else in the family. Not many animated Disney movies do that. I do feel bad that some of the family gets the short end of the stick. Namely her cousins, Camilo, the shapeshifter, and Dolores, who can hear things from very far away. But the voice cast is fantastic. Don't get much better than mm-hmm. Stephanie Beatrice as Mirabelle and John Leguizamo as Bruno. Um, I would say this is Disney Animation's most colorful feature film they've ever done. And the music by Lin-Manuel Miranda is just fantastic. My two favorite songs, I've told you this before, Rachel, but my two favorite songs are the same as your two favorites. Luisa's song, Service Pressure. And, of course, the one everybody keeps saying, and we don't <laughs> talk about Bruno. That's the one that should have been nominated for the Oscars, not Dos Orovitas. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I have Encanto at 18. Uh, it could definitely over the years go higher. It's a little bit hard with the brand new movies to kind of know where to rank them till they've kind of sat in you for a little bit. But right now it's at 18. What about you, Stanford? I have it at 26 and I agree with you. Some of these movies just have to settle, but I, 
I thought it was just absolutely terrific, brilliant movie, and and mm-hmm. I've I've watched it multiple times. I, I saw it in the theater, and I also saw it. You know, I've watched seen it on Disney Plus, and I just enjoy yeah. it yeah. every time I've seen it. I enjoy it a lot. And I do have to. I forgot to mention one other thing. Uh, Josiah brought up. Sorry to go back, but Tangled. Yeah. I did see Tangled in 3D. And yeah, it was amazing. Too. So I, yeah, I wish that you could see it too, Josiah. <laughs> I think you'd, I think you'd, clearly, you know, you'd love it. But anyway, sorry to, sorry to digress. Conto's <laughs> awesome. Okay. No, it's cool. uh, so what do you have at twelve? Okay. Well, uh, one last thing to say about Encanto. The only weak spot is the ending. Um, I'm glad the family makes up for their mistakes, but I feel like they could have uh, uh, strung out the ending a little better. Like maybe have them take time to mourn the loss when the casita breaks, and then have the townspeople come and help. But as is, it's still pretty good. And Bob Chappelle, who's the CEO of Disney right now, said a few months ago that Encanto will be their next Disney animated franchise. I'd be down for a series on Disney Plus like they're doing with Yana and Moana. That way mm-hmm. we could get more info on the family members that, like I said, didn't get as much screen time in the movie. So it'll be interesting to see how Encanto becomes a franchise. For Are they doing a, I forgot, they're, they're doing a Moana series? Yeah, they're doing a Moana series, a Tiana one. So yeah, I'd be down for an. Encanto. I knew the Tiana one, but, but we'll I forgot about Moana. Goes with the franchise. All right. Well, what's your number twelve? Number twelve, The Lion King. Uh, this was one of the early ones we had on home video when I was a kid. So this, this, and Toy Story and Aladdin were definitely the earliest ones I remember watching when I was young. Um, great story. Um, one thing that really. In- draws me in is the voice cast. I mean, sure, Aladdin had already kind of opened the floodgates for big-name celebrities to do voices with Robin Williams and Gilbert Gottfried, but the Lion King, man, you got James Earl Jones as Mufasa, brilliant. Jeremy Irons as Scar is amazing. And how can you go wrong with Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabala as Timon and Pumbaa? I mean, whoever casted this movie and got Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabala as Timon and Pumbaa, they should get some sort of casting award for that. Of course, the animation is great. The songs by Elton John and Tim Rice and the score by Hans Zimmer. Easy to see why this music won Oscars. Although I personally would have nominated I Just Can't Wait to Be Kane over Can't Feel the Love Tonight. But I still would have nominated Circle of Life and Hakuna Matata. And of the Disney movie to Broadway adaptations, I can easily say Lion King is the best. I saw it uh, at near the end of my first year of college back in 2015 with my sister when it came to here to Iowa. It was unbelievable. Lion King on Broadway, definitely the best. Lion King the movie, easy to see why they call it the cane of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Which is really ironic because it was the B project uh, that that they had at the time. Um, I have Lion King at eight. uh, So I have it very high as well. I really, it's moving. Uh, Really the only thing that I I guess I dislike is the introduction to Can You Feel the Love Tonight? The way they handle it. I can see what's happening. Uh, I don't don't, have a clue. Yeah, I don't love that. (laughs) For a a beautiful love song. It's not my favorite. But pretty much everything else I like about it. And uh, so uh, what about you, Stanford? I have it at 21. I think it's a fantastic film. Yeah. Love it. All right. What do you have next? Number 11, Hercules. How do you mean Hercules? Gospel music, muses. Woo! Uh, So good. Zero to Hero, easily my favorite song in the film. Uh, Close second comes I Won't Say I'm in Love. 
And third place on would probably be Go the Distance, which was the Oscar nominee. Hercules himself as a character is maybe a little bland, um, but it's hard when he's up against so many funny characters that bring a lot of the comedy. You got his pals, Phil and Pegasus. You got Meg, the atypical love interest, who's fantastic. Susan Egan did her voice, and she first played Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. She's amazing. And, of course, James Woods as Hades, our hot-headed bad guy. Uh, perfect. They could not have gone with anybody better. Although, it would have been interesting to hear their original choice for the voice of Hades, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hercules, I have at 20. So I enjoy it. It's it's kind of a mess, I think, but I enjoy the mess. <laughs> so a lot of ideas going on in the same movie, but I I still enjoy it. Where do you have it, Stanford? I have it at thirty four. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it's a crazy movie, but I, it's really fun. <laughs> really, really, yeah. I'm really actually fun. curious to see how they pull this off on Broadway, following the performance they had in Central Park in New York City a few years. Yeah, ago. me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I remember uh, that Alan Menken said it was one of the most rewarding experiences he's had, the adapting Hercules to the stage. So that's kind of interesting. But um, all right. What's your number 10? Number 10, Lilo and Sketch, which, of course, uh, we've talked about before. Like you said, Mm -hmm. this was when I was on the project before with you guys. I just love this movie. I confess I didn't get to see it until it was on home video. Uh, checked it out. First watched it with my mom and uh, while my sisters were away at my grandparents, I think. And then uh, when my sisters came home, uh, we got to watch it again with them. And then it was kind of one of those movies that I watched on and off again. Like I would occasionally check it out or my sisters would check it out. Uh, but then I remember I was going on summer mission to Walt Disney World in 2014 and I didn't want my sister to miss me, so I actually got her the two-disc DVD of Lilo and Stitch from 2009. I got it at a Target store here in Iowa and gave it to her to watch in case she missed me. And, of course, Lilo and Stitch was the first animated Disney feature nominated for Best Animated Feature Academy Award. Um, watercolor animation is beautiful. It was something Disney animation hadn't done in 60 years since Dumbo, so that was kind of cool. Uh, love the message of Ohana, the relationship between Lilo and Stitch, um, and also, to a lesser extent, the sisters, Lilo and Nani. Uh, the score by Alan Silvestri is beautiful. I love the song Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride. Uh, the film has one of the best, if not the best, Disney marketing campaign, where Stitch crash lands, sometimes literally, and uh, other animated Disney films like Aladdin and Little Mermaid, and it has my favorite underrated animated Disney couple, Nani and David. Even if they're not so much a couple, so as good friends, but uh, I just love David as a character. He's the one who helps Lilo and Nani out in their times of need. It was thanks to him that we got the Hawaiian roller coaster rides on. So, but yeah, Lilo and Stitch is really cute. Um, everything I just said, I just love it. I'm actually curious to see how the live-action remake turns out if, when and if they ever get a director for that. Because I heard the last director they had, John M. Chu, uh, he dropped out to work on something else. But as long as they make, don't make Stitch look too creepy in CG animation, I'm totally down. All the remakes and sequels going on, Lilo and Stitch was the live-action Disney remake I was hoping for. So when they announced it back in 2018... I was like, yes, God answered my prayers, a Lilo and Sketch live-action remake. Um, so hopefully we'll get more information on that sooner or later. But the good news is uh, Chris Sanders still voices Sketch uh, nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, even though he works at DreamWorks Animation now. 
We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Yeah, I mean, Lilo and Stitch, I have a 35. I, I like the family message. Uh, I think that's really sweet. I think there's lots of sweet moments between the two sisters. Um, some of the alien shenanigans is a little much for me. And I think it, it, it can be a little heavy, the movie, I think. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I love Hawaii. I love the music. I love the surfing scenes. Those are all wins for me. I like the Elvis songs. I'm curious if they ever do a musical musical like they had in um, uh, Nate the Great. Which I didn't love that movie, but Disney Plus with my mom a while back. I was like, Mm -hmm. Lilo and Stitch Broadway musical. I don't know if Disney ever decides to do that. uh, Looks like they might be stretching a little too far. But I've been to Hawaii; it's as beautiful as it is in the movie. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I hear you about the musical. That's like, did you see uh, Stanford? Did you see Nate the Great? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. Anyway, they have a thing in there about uh, he's auditioning for Lilo and Stitch the musical. You know that um, I will be watching it at some point, Rachel. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I know you have Leo and Stitch low. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have it at fifty two. Yeah, I, I love the watercolor backgrounds. Uh, I I like the themes. This movie just drives me crazy. So um, I don't yeah. know. But I respect I respect where you put it, and I'm glad we can talk about yeah. it. Yeah. All right. What's your number nine? Number nine, Aladdin. This is my favorite from the Renaissance. Uh, of the Disney animated canon films of the whole renaissance, Disney animation, and Pixar, you know I love the Toy Story films. But Aladdin, um, this is a personal favorite of me and my mom. She's a big Robin Williams fan. We were also sad when he passed away in 2014. So every time we rewatch the animated Aladdin, it's always in memory of Robin Williams. I mean, how amazing was this guy? Uh, They just let him improv all over the place. And he makes the genie one of the best, if not the best, uh, sidekick in Disney animation history. Not to say the other characters aren't great. I mean, Aladdin and Jasmine are probably my favorite Disney animated couple ever. And of course, I love the songs. Howard Ashman, Alan Menken, and Tim Rice. Talk about a perfect trio with songs like Friend Like Me and Prince Ali. And of course, the Oscar winner, Whole New World which the pop version went on to be a number one chart-topping hit for the Disney studio. And that didn't happen again till 30 years later with this year when we don't talk about Bruno from Encanto top the charts. Mm-hmm. We also got uh, Aladdin's Got Good Villains with Jafar and Iago, uh, R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, the voice of Iago. And I'm actually one of the few people who enjoys the live-action remake of Aladdin. Uh, they give Jasmine a stronger character arc. Uh, the costumes are great. Sandra's still pretty good. And who doesn't love Will Smith? 
<laughs> uh, Chris Rock doesn't love Will Smith. I couldn't resist. Um, I have Aladdin at 16. Um, so, Stanford, where do you have it? Uh, I have it at six. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of my favorites, yeah. too. All right. What do you have at eight? Actually, these next two go together, so I'll just talk about them together. Number eight, Frozen. And number seven, Frozen 2. When Frozen came out in 2013, it was unbelievable. And nowadays, I get that parents are mad that their kids keep saying and let it go, but I've heard you, Rachel, uh, making your arguments that let it go for kids nowadays is basically their part of your world from The Little Mermaid like it was for you when you were their age. And of course, the love between the sisters, Anna and Elsa, is what pulls this movie forward. Uh, great voice acting, Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel, uh, making Anna and Elsa some of the best heroines we've had from Disney Animation in the last decade. The animation is gorgeous. The songs by the Lopez's are all fantastic. And then fast forward six years later to Frozen 2, if Lion King is the king of Walt Disney Animation and Frozen is the queen, then Frozen 2 has to be the crown princess, even if it made the most money of any Disney animated canon film to date. Okay, sure, maybe the script could have used a little bit of retooling, uh, but the reason I have Frozen 2 just above Frozen 1 is because it's kind of like Toy Story 3, but the Disney princess thing, where they take the characters to more mature places, and they learn that they have to grow up and move on with their lives. Uh, Elsa's place is as the fifth spirit, uh, protecting the enchanted forest where the Northuldra live, and Anna has to take over for her sister as Queen of Arendelle. But the important thing is they still love each other, and the forest is right next door to Arendelle, so they can visit each other wherever they like. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I love the scene in Frozen 2 where Olaf is reenacting Frozen 1 to the Northuldra <laughs> and the Arendelle soldiers led by Lieutenant Matthias, which actually gave birth to the Olaf Presents short series on Disney Plus last year where he reenacts other animated Disney movies, which I, I thought that was cute when I saw those shorts last year. Uh, did you guys see those shorts on Disney Plus? Yeah, they were pretty yes, good. Yes, they're yeah. funny, funny. They're cute. Yeah. Um, I have Frozen at 12 and Frozen 2 at 22, so I basically agree with everything you said. Uh, I think they could have used the new characters better in Frozen 2, uh, but I really like the story. I thought it was a pretty bold story. Uh, the animation's gorgeous, and I like the fact that they both end up queens at the end. That was pretty creative. Um, and, you know, the original, I really love Elsa as a character. Uh, and I think that uh, Let It Go is right up there with one of the great I Want songs uh, that they've ever written. And uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I really enjoyed Frozen the Musical on Broadway. I think they did a great job with that one. Um, where do you have both those, Stanford? Oh, I'm a Frozen fan. I have Frozen at 18 and Frozen 2 at 24. Yeah, yeah. Terrific. I think they're terrific movies. Very good. All right. What do you have next? Number se- number six. That's right. Number six, Moana. Going back to Lilo and Sketch, Moana. Um, this is another one where, again, I love the ocean. I've been to Hawaii, so I know how beautiful it is. Um, this was interesting because this is... I mean, aside from Merida from Pixar's Brave, Moana is probably the only official Disney princess. They don't count Anna and Elsa as official because Frozen is already a strong franchise on its own brand. 
but Moana is the only one who doesn't need a love interest. I mean, she has to team up with Maui the demigod to restore the heart of Tafiti, sure, um, but uh, they it's kind of like uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear in the first Toy Story, where they start out rivals, but eventually learn to get along with each other. Um, Ali Cravalho had her acting debut as Moana, and she is fantastic. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, voice of Maui, amazing. Didn't know he could sing before this. And of course, uh, again, a great triple threat of songwriters, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Opatia Fawai, who's the only one I'm not that familiar with, but whatever. And then Mark Mancina on songs and score after just scoring Disney films before with Tarzan and Brother Bear. Animation is beautiful. Uh, Moana's journey of self-discovery is amazing. I think it's one that little girls can relate to on the same level as Tangled or the Frozen films. Um, really excited for the Moana series they've got in production for Disney Plus in the coming years. So yeah, I definitely love Moana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have it at 11, so I have it very high. I really love it too. Great character, another great I Want song, great vocal performance. Uh, I, I, I think they could have used that little pig a little bit more because it was so cute. So um, cute. <laughs> but, um, and they probably could have done the villains just a tad better, but I still enjoy them. I think they're fun. Um, and uh, Maui's a great character. I love the ending. Uh, with her um, helping Nefiti. I think that whole sequence is beautiful. So, yeah, I have it really high at 11. Uh, what about you, Stanford? I have Moana at 25, and I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And just it all, I agree with all what all yeah. y'all are saying about it. Good It'll stuff. be fun once they get that exhibit, uh, that attraction they're doing at Disney World. Oh, um, I know. I'm so excited that. about that. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, all right, your five and four go together. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? All righty, on to the top five now. And yes, uh, this is another duo. Uh, these stories go together, so I'll just talk about them together. Number five, Wreck-It Ralph. And number four, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Even though I don't play video games as much, I've seen my sisters play them. Um, I'm actually not that very good at video games. Uh, I'm good at computer games that I played when I was younger, but not so much video games. But Rugged Ralph, when it came out in 2012, nearly 10 years ago, um, it was really good. I really liked it. Um, it was my favorite animated Disney canon film until another great uh, computer animated flick came along a few years later. But the journey of Ralph, as he goes from video game bad guy to showing he can be a hero, despite what he's programmed to be, is great. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of Sugar Rush, Rachel, but come on! Who doesn't want to live in a candy land? <laughs> anyway. Well then, what? so tell us what you have it for. Alright, so... So yeah, Wreck-It Ralph, the original, is number five, and the sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet, is number four, just because they're able to expand the world building. I mean, the arcade was basically just a small town, and we didn't get a whole lot of time there, because most of the time we were in Vanellope's game, Sugar Rush, but then we go to the internet, which is like a big city, and it's amazing. Uh, definitely didn't expect a Disney Princess I Wants on for Vanellope, but... Sarah Silverman and Gal Gadot as Vanellope and Shank are actually pretty good singers. I had no idea. But, of course, the best scene, hands down, in Ralph Breaks the Internet is the Oh My Disney scene. I mean, all the princesses together, Vanellope showing them that they don't have to wear dresses all the time. They can dress up more comfy like her. 
and then they show her how to be a Disney princess by getting her own I wants on. Um, aside from the princesses, of course, my favorite Disney cameo is Buzz Lightyear, although I think his face is maybe a little wonky in this one. I think they could have just borrowed the model from Pixar, and it would have been better. But aside from that, um, oh my Disney, Ralph Breaks the Internet, hands down, one of the best, if not the best, animated Disney scene we've had in the last five years or so. Um, yeah, so I have Wreck-It Ralph at 41, and it's not that I dislike it. I like it fine. I think it's a cute enough movie. I just think it's overrated. It It's, uh, I know it's many, many as, as yourself and many people's favorite, and that's fine. Um, it just doesn't do a whole lot for me personally, as far as the story and the characters. Um, I think it's kind of a one joke movie, but it's fine. I don't hate it. Um, Ralph breaks the internet. I thought was more interesting. Had more interesting things to say. I thought it was more, it was a lot funnier. It was a lot more creative. I, in my opinion, uh, I have it at 31. So I have a 10, 10 spots higher. Um, what about you, Stanford? So I have, uh, Wreck-It Ralph at 46 and I also have Ralph breaks the internet at 31. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. What's your, uh, number three? Number three, Raya and the Last Dragon. As much as I love Encanto, I wish Raya had won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Great action adventure flick. You've got a flawed protagonist in Raya who wants to help save her father and save the world of Kumandra, but she has trust issues, which going back to Elena, um, it actually, when I was watching it, it reminded me of Elena's trust issues with Estaban when she finds out he betrayed the family in season three of her show. And it's very similar to how uh, Raya has trust issues with Namari from when they were kids. But just like Elena learned to forgive Estaban for his mistakes, and he uh, made up for it by sacrificing himself for her to save her from Kahu of the Four Shades of Awesome. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the Elena finale yet. Um, <laughs> Raya learns to do the same, and Namari learns to move past uh, her mistakes and help Raya save the world. Um, Sisu, as the last dragon herself, the comic relief sidekick, who also ends up being sort of a conscience for Raya, um, kind of like the genie from Aladdin, but to less, uh, stronger effect, and Aquafina's performance as Sisu, maybe not the best compared to Robin Williams as genie or Eddie Murphy as Mushu, but pretty good, um, nice cast of supporting characters, great action sequences, the James Newton Howard score is amazing, and unlike you, Rachel, I will miss the songs. Um, I think the end credits song by Janae Aiko is pretty good. So, yeah, I love Encanto, but I wish Raya had won the Best Animated Feature offer. I mean, if it was up to me as far as animated feature, I would have given it to Mitchell's Wrist of the Machines. But, uh, but I, I, I liked Raya. I, I have it at 28. Uh, I thought it was... A uh, beautiful film. I loved the action, like you said. I did think that it would have been more memorable if it had had songs that you'd be humming out the theater and uh, you'd be talking about it a little bit more. Uh, to me, it just made it a little, for a princess movie, which it is, I think it would have been better with songs. Um, but And I didn't really love the baby, the ninja baby. I thought that was weird. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. It had huge heart. Um and beautiful animation. Um, so yeah, I had a 28. What about you, uh, Stanford? I have Rye at 32. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is your number two? 
Alrighty, coming coming up to the last two. Only one can be the winner, but they're both really great, really strong films. Number two, Zootopia. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I have a little bit of childhood nostalgia for Chicken Little, and that's why I think it doesn't deserve half the negative criticism it gets, Zootopia is basically Chicken Little done a thousand percent better. You take anthropomorphic animals, Put them in a city that's like New York or something, but custom made for them. And you do this uh, mystery adventure between this rabbit, Judy Hopps, who wants to be a police officer, and this fox, Nick Wilde, who thinks you can only be what society wants of you. And through this adventure together, they learn that, um, hey, we're broken sometimes, but we can still learn from each other and try to make the world a better place. Jennifer Goodwin and Jason Bateman as the voices of Judy and Nick. Fantastic. Great score by Michael Giacchino, who typically scores the Pixar movies. The city of Zootopia, with all the different areas like the Sahara and Tundra Town, is amazing. And even if they probably didn't need to cast a pop star as Gazelle with Shakira, I get it. She's supposed to be a pop star, but her song, Try Everything, is basically the theme song of the whole journey, where it teaches us that, hey, we all make mistakes. But we just gotta keep trying. I won't give up. No, I won't give in till I reach the end. I want to try everything. I want to try even though I could fail. And that's such a good message for kids to learn that it's okay to fail. As long as you get up and keep trying until you reach the end. Yeah, I have Zootopia at 23. Really enjoyed it. I mean, I think you said it. everything there's to be said about it. Uh, I love the world building. I love the humor. The uh, the Godfather joke is hilarious. Uh, the sloth joke is really funny. Uh, several sloth jokes are really good. Uh, I really, uh, I liked um, the banter between Nick and Judy. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it at 23. What about you, Stanford? I have it as, at 16. Mm -hmm. I really, I really love Zootopia. Yeah. All right, there's a drum roll. Yay! <laughs> What's your number, number one? one? My favorite animated Disney canon film of all time, number one, Big Hero 6. Everyone has a favorite animated Disney classic. Uh, some will respect uh, the early films of Walt's days, like Snow White and Pinocchio. Uh, other, more modern kids will gravitate toward Frozen. And most people will say one of the Fab Four is the best. Either The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or The Lion King. But for me, it's Big Hero 6. I love superheroes. And so when I saw this movie in 2014, it was really good. I can relate to Hero. Uh, he's kind of a shy, awkward kid, but uses his smarts for the good of others when he learns to respect uh, his brother, uh, learn to move on from the past, and... Uh, teams up with Tadashi's friends to help save the world. Uh, all these uh, different kids in his team have their own unique gifts in math and science that they use for the greater good to help defend the city of San Francisco. And, of course, who doesn't love Baymax? Uh, he is easily one of the best Disney sidekicks of of Disney, anime, Disney animation in general. Um, don't you just want to give him a hug and let him... Let him fly you all, right, all around the city. Uh, of course, the city of San Francisco looks fantastic. Uh, great Henry Jackman score. Um, great song, Immortals by Fall Out Boy. I love it. 
And so, yeah, this was uh, basically Disney Animation's move to superhero movies, and I thought they did a great job with this one, much like Pixar did with The Incredibles 10 years earlier. I'm even willing to forgive that Callahan as a surprise villain is not very good, but other than that, without a doubt, this is my favorite film from Walt Disney Animation Studios. I also like the TV series they did on Disney Channel a few years ago, and I'm looking forward to the new Baymax short series that's going to be on Disney Plus next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Big Air 6. I have it at 24. I thought it was very emotional and sweet and the relationship between the two brothers and Baymax is great. Uh, a, a great character. So lovable. Everybody would want to have one. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed it. So I think it's a, a great pick. Uh, Stanford, where do you have it? Oh, I think Big Hero 6 is a terrific film. And so excellent pick, Josiah. I have it at 17. I mm-hmm. I, I like Big Hero 6 yeah. very much. Very good. Well, we did it. <laughs> hey. Um, so do you have a blog or anything like that that you want to, or anything you want to share? Um, I don't have a blog, but if you want, if anyone out there is listening and and has ideas for what I should do else for Disney, because I reviewed most of the Disney animated canon, I reviewed most of the Pixar films, and my sister and I did an Elena of Avalor review. Um, if you have any ideas for what I should review next, you can email me at jcrmielke at gmail.com, or if you type in my first and last name on YouTube, Josiah Milkey, you can watch all the Disney animation reviews I've done. And I am currently on my 130 Fantastic Disney Songs project. So if you have Google Docs, um, uh, talk to Rachel when I send her emails with the reviews I do of stuff I do for the Disney Songs project. And uh, she can share them with you. You've got Disney yeah. movies, TV shows, theme park attractions, a uh, lot of great stuff on there. I am actually almost halfway through the project. Uh, as of tonight, one year before the Little Mermaid live action remake comes out, um, we are, my family and I are watching and I am reviewing the animated Little Mermaid tomorrow night to finish off the first half and then I'll be two weeks off and then come back on Saturday, June 11th to kick off the second half of the project. Although I'll probably already be on the second half of the project by the time this gets posted on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Great. Well, I'll try to have that all in the description and Stanford, where can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark, and I have a movie podcast and blog uh, at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And you can follow us at Disney Talking on Twitter, and you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, so please check that out. Also, you can find me at the Hallmarkies Podcast and all a bunch of other places online, so check all of that out. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.